Hi, come on in to Erie House. Only tiny radio. The door is <laughs> painfully open. I'm Dale Kay from Spook Show, here along with... Half-hypnotized Dave Binkley from the weirdest really bad movie and the Spaceship One. And I'm along and with... Uh, oh. No, uh, yeah, no, we're not here with no. anybody because poor Gar's not yeah. feeling too hot tonight. Yeah. Just hoping that he's feeling better for his show, Horrible Horror starring Garth Ghoul, tomorrow night. So You uh, know it. Uh, but we um, hope you stick around. We've got some great radio for you. Uh, three, count them, three different radio shows about hypno, hypnotized, being hypnotized. Yeah, do, do you have uh, an Alexa or a one of those little Google spots or the Google thing there, Dale? I, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> the Google Home or the Google Dots, or do you have any of those? Google so Dots. Little, I have no idea what what those are. <laughs> well, you know what a Google Home is. You know what a Google Home is, right? No. No. Okay. Well, that's that speaker that hooks up to your internet and does things with Google commands. Um, oh. Oh. Okay. Just recently found. Just recently found out from one of our one of our our good friends, Mr. Mike Mace. He has Google. I have Alexa, and it doesn't work. But on Google, it does seem to work. If you give the command, uh, Google Play Blog Talk Eerie House Radio, you will get the last podcast that we did of uh, ah. whichever one it was. So, um, oh, there it is. Uh, Linda Lou has a, has a Google thingy. Good. But uh, but I, I have an Alexa and it, it doesn't like blog talk. Maybe maybe blog talk has stood it up too many times as it stood us up a time or two. Uh, I I can't I can't have a machine talking to me. I can't have a conversation. My vocabulary <laughs> would like just devolve into this series of words that we don't use here on Erie House Holy Timey Radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, often. usually, yeah, Linda, Linda, uh, Linda Lou's on there, and she says that's a little speaker, and I can tell her what to do. Unfortunately, usually it tells me what it can't do. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> then I tell it what to do, and it says that's not polite, and then it gets mad and shuts off on me. That's generally what happens with my uh, Alexa here. So I, I think I would have a similar relationship, only it would have some learn some new colorful metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> shall we say uh, well we hope we've entranced you into sticking around for a while uh, welcome Fogs, welcome Linda Lou uh, three count them three shows for you tonight yeah we have one uh, brand new one one brand new one yeah, so new to the channel yes. uh, good yeah, to see sure. Quiet Please come back we're going to have a Quiet Please yeah, well, well, uh, interesting. You know, just uh, you know, from the guy who brought you, uh, who created uh, Lights Out, and uh, and he created this. Wrote all 109 episodes, and uh, he wrote and produced and directed all 109 episodes of these. So, uh, have a little bit more information on that when we get back there. Uh, unfortunately, uh, even though there's like 88 of the 109. There's so much surface noise on some of these. It does make it a little bit tougher. And I, I, I will tell you, uh, you'll, you, there's some surface noise on this, and you can hear it and understand it. It's not impossible. To, it's very, 
easy to hear, but there is some surface noise on this. Some of the recordings we get are so clean that it's amazing. This one has a little bit of surface noise that came from one of the transcription uh, discs. So, But it do but a very the programming for tonight. That one's called Sympathy in D Minor. And what else, Dave? And we also have... Uh, we also have uh, a second engagement of I Love an Adventure. This came in after I Love a Mystery, uh, where I Love a Mystery was a serial for, uh, you know, they like to say for young adults, but there were some strange things that happened in these. Uh, so I, I would, you know, it wasn't for kids. I, maybe I'll give it a young adult thing. But, uh, you know, there were some creepy things that happened in I Love a Mystery. Well, after it went off an air a while, it came back for, for a, a, a short time, in a half-hour adventure uh, uh, series, there were all self-contained stories in the one half-hour. And then, of course, we have uh, uh, something new to Area House tonight um, of uh, Gasoline Alley. Now, uh, I was talking to Gar earlier in the week, and he uh, he and I both, when we were youngsters, uh, of course, one of the first things you grab when you're young, what's that? The comic pages, right? And uh, he and I both he and I both used to to read uh, in, in different places, but we both used to read the Gasoline Alley. Uh, I got a I kind of got a kick out of that. It just the characters were easy to to, to kind of like, and uh, that's what we have here. It's kind of a uh, we have it from the uh, syndicated version, uh, which came a little later in uh, the the 40s. But uh, um, and I think the syndicated ones are the only ones that are are that are really out there available and there's not a whole lot out there of those but uh, yeah that was a 15 minute show and that was brought to you by the Autolite people the same people that brought us so many neat things uh, shows from Suspense and uh, some other shows as well yeah they were big on auto electrical parts Uh, I've heard a few Suspense uh, like you said uh, with those commercials and their announcements and when Suspense went to television, it was Autolite that went with them there. They kind of dropped yes. them as a radio sponsor, but they took them to television. <laughs> and they had some interesting commercials on the television shows as well. I remember some with animated auto parts. It was pretty cool. It looked like right. early Harryhausen stuff plugs. or something. Yeah. yeah, the spark plugs and things like that, kind of dancing around or marching along, that kind of a thing, yeah. Yeah, Good times. There's good stuff out there if you search it out. And Dave found you some great stuff tonight. Um, what do we start with today, Dave? You know what? Uh, uh, why don't we? Why don't we? It, it, it's kind of up to you. Maybe we, we should go to the. This is the least of the uh, hip, hypnotized shows. Well, okay, maybe the second least. But but. Uh, <laughs> Interesting how they hypnotized this for, for the I Love Adventure. That's a good one to start with. It's called Grandma. What big teeth you have. And do we have a date on this? <laughs> we do. The, it is from June 6th, 1948. <laughs> Broadcasting Company presents I Love Adventure. (laughs) 
adventure number seven. But Grandma, what big teeth you have. A new Carlton E. Morse production featuring Jack, Doc, and Reggie. in the afternoon in the office of the A-1 Detective Agency, around the corner and up one flight, just off Hollywood Boulevard. It's hot, and Mary Kay Jones, the cutest secretary in Hollywood, is dressed for it. Her boss, Jack Packard, is sitting directly under an electric fan. His feet up on the desk, his shirt open at the collar, and a glass of iced coffee in his hand. Boss, it's so doggone hot, it's indecent. Gets so a girl doesn't care anymore. Why don't you take off something? If I took off one thing more, you could hand me a cake of soap and a wash rag and send me to the shower. Try some iced coffee. And immediately perspiration starts out on me like a whirling spray. Oh, honest to goodness, boss. Why don't you shut up shop and let a girl go home and sit in a tub of water? Go ahead. I want to wait for Doc and Reggie. What do they got that we want? They're supposed to turn in a report on the Bronson firebug case. Insurance company's been screaming for us since Monday. Oh, great. 150 in the shade, and we got to work on a firebug case. Not you. What do you mean, not me? I'm your secretary, aren't I? I'm not sure sometimes. You're not sure about what? When you come down to the office in clothes like you got on today, I sometimes wonder. Oh? Maybe I ought to keep you for a pinup girl. Don't like them, huh? Hmm. These clothes. Don't like them? Sure, look at this of them. But what'll the clients think? What clients? Hey, did anybody ever tell you you're the freshest secretary in Hollywood? Besides, I don't wear my clothes for the clients. Oh? Nope. I wear them for the boss. Ever since you reopened the A-1 detective agency after finishing up with the 21 old men, I've practically been throwing myself at the boss. But the poor dope isn't having any. The office is no place for romance. Well, then, for the love of Mike, why don't you take me out on a dark road some night? Or to a nice balcony seat in a theater. I'll come and sit on my front porch. Oh, you're much too important to the A-1 agency as a secretary. You think a little fraternizing on Saturday night would cut down my office efficiency on Monday morning? Hey, look, Mary Kay, I'm too hot to argue. I've got... Oh, somebody in the outer office. Yeah, boss, I'll get it. Relax, boss. It's just Reggie. He's got a kid with him. Kid? Boy? Surprising as it may seem, it's the boy. See you for a minute, Jack. Sure. Okay, fella, in with you. You see this tadpole, Jack? I bet he's not over ten years old. How old are you, son? He's not talking. Anyway, you know what I caught him doing? Caught him purse snatching. Hey, no kidding. Right down there on Hollywood Boulevard. Went up behind a woman, jerked the purse out from under her arm, and streaked it down a side alley. He'd have got away with it, too, if he hadn't run right into my arm. Is that right, boy? Is this a police station? Uh-oh. You did steal the woman's purse? Don't look like any police station to me. You give the woman's purse back to her, Reggie? Yeah, she wanted to call a uniformed cop, but I flashed my special on her. She let me have the kid. You've been purse snatching for quite a while. Look, if this is a police station, where's the cells where you lock people up? As a matter of fact, this isn't a police station. Oh. Uh, we're private detectives. Yeah? Yeah, I'm Jack Packard. The man who brought you in is Reggie York. Is she a private detective, too? No, she's our secretary. She's hot stuff. Hey! <laughs> out of the mouths of babes. Where'd you get that kind of talk? You ought to have your mouth washed out. Touchy, ain't she? What's your name? Fred Crawford. Mm. Now I know you're not the police, I'm not scared anymore. Well, that's good. 
How old are you? I'm 11. Oh, look here. You sure about that? But crying out loud, don't you think a guy knows how old he is? Well, you don't look 11 to me. All right, skip it. Where do you live? 6170 Selma. Oh, that's just around the corner, boss. With your folks? Hmm? I said you live with your folks? Yeah, sure. My grandmother. Is that all? Yeah, that's all. Just my grandmother. Mm. Does she know you're a person at you? Uh, no. You go to school? I, I used to. You mean you don't go to school now, kid 11 years old? I don't sleep very good. A growing boy 11 years old doesn't sleep good? What's the matter? The conscience bothering you? No. Why don't you sleep good? Some nights I do. Some nights I have dreams. Uh, what do you dream? I don't know. Yes, you do. I don't want to think about them. Nightmares. Bad dreams, huh? Yeah. Well, it might do you good to tell somebody about them. You like to try? They, they don't make any sense. They're crazy. Well, go on. I'd like to hear them. Here, yeah. You want cold drinks? No. I'm not sweating because it's hot. I sweat like this when I think about the dreams. Sometimes I wake up in the night sweating like this. Here. Want a handkerchief? No, I got one. Hey, when was the last time you had a bath? Oh, so you're one of them dames that right away get personal. (laughs) But your hands, they're filthy. Doesn't your grandmother ever make you clean up? No. Never mind about that. Let's get back to this dream business. You'd rather talk about that anyway, wouldn't you? I... I never told anybody. Sure, that's probably why they keep worrying you. You tell us about them and it'll probably make you feel a lot better. Grandma can tell when I'm restless. She can even tell before I get into bed that I'm not going to sleep good. Oh, she can. Yeah. So then she gives me something to make me sleep. Uh-huh. Capsule? No, with a needle. Sure, no. Here, roll up your sleeve, bud. Here, let me do it for you. No, this arm. No, no. You're getting all this down, Mary Kay? Every word, boss. You think it might mean something? Hey, Jack. Look at this kid's arm. Needle puncture. Six, eight, eleven of them. What the heck? They don't hurt. Okay, you can roll your sleeve down. How about these dreams? Well, well, it takes me a long time to get out of our house. You mean in your dream you get up and dress and want to get out of the house? I don't want to, but I got to. For some reason, I got to. But you don't know what the reason is, huh? Yeah, that's it. And it takes me a long time to get out. And I have to go through a lot of rooms. There are big rooms and long rooms. And I have to go through a lot of doors. Lots of doors. Hurry, bud. Hurry up. Don't let them catch you. Hurry. Hurry. In every room I went into, my voice sounded different. My shoes on in the morning, they're all covered with mud. Well, you can see how crazy that is. A 
Look outside. So hot you could fry steak. And it's been that way for the last two months. How could you possibly get your shoes muddy in Southern California in June? It happened. I know it did. What happened? I killed somebody. Oh, look, fella. I better buck you didn't. You got your dreams all mixed up with... Where was this? Where did it happen? Outdoors. That's all I know. And you think you shot somebody? Sometimes. Sometimes I'm running and people are chasing me. Sometimes I dig a hole in the ground and bury things. You know what it is you bury? I don't know anything. I just wake up sweating and tired. Like I hadn't been in bed any of the time. What does your grandmother say to all this? I don't tell her. I'd be scared to tell her. Why? Yeah, why? Grandmothers are wonderful people to tell things to. Not my grandmother. Okay, bud, we've talked about everything but the purse snatching. I know you don't want to talk about it, but we got them. Not part of the dream. Maybe not, but we'll talk about it just the same. How many times have you done this, snatched a woman's purse? Just this once. No, no, no. Look up at me. That's it. Is that true? Honest. I believe it is true. Why did you do it? Honest, Mr. Packard. Something made me. It was just like I'd done it before and knew just how to do it. I didn't want to all the time I was doing it. No. People don't do what they don't want to do. Never mind that. But I want you to come in the back room. Back here with me. What's back there? Makeshift laboratory. Come on. You want me, boss? Oh, you and Reggie wait there. In with you, bud. Hmm. Funny business. Hey, you picked yourself up quite a case. What does Jack care what the kid dreams? When I was a youngster, I used to have some dreams that would make Bud's dreams sound like mush and milk. Yeah? What did you dream about? Women. What kind of women? Mary Kay, it didn't make any difference what kind of women, huh? Women. <laughs> oh, fine. And speaking of women, Mary Kay, there's anything cuter than the clothes you've got on this PM. It's the stuff that's inside of them. Uh-oh. Mustn't touch. And still, Jack Packard and nobody, huh? That's the way it is. Isn't life a crime? Ain't no kidding, Reggie. Give a girl a lowdown. Gladly. On what subject? Well, why did you and Jack and Doc break with the 21 old men? Oh, 10 Gramercy Park? Yeah, why did you? Well, no break at all, my dear. I'm not your dear. Oh. And there must have been some kind of break. Because that international stuff is right down Jack's alley. He wouldn't have given it up to come back and reopen the A1 detective agency office here in Hollywood if he could have gone on with the whole world as his playground. Matter of fact, we were getting too well known. Yeah? How do you mean? Twenty-one-old boys need pawns whose faces aren't known. Oh, that did, huh? Getting so the old boys couldn't send us anywhere without Jack being spotted as their man. So you had to wind up business and come home, huh? Oh, we'll do a job for them still once in a while. And Doc's really the one who persuaded us to reopen the agency. <laughs> How he does love to play detective. Huh. That red-headed Texan. You know why, don't you? No, why? Well, it gets him around among the girls. Ah, yes, Girls. He's worse than you are, and that's something. Brother. Hmm. Uh, perfectly all right, bud. If you shot a gun and killed anybody, there'd be little specks of burned powder embedded in the skin of your hand. And there wasn't any? No sign. A lot of dirt, no burned powder. So that's what you were doing in there, giving him the burned powder test. Yeah. Get on your horse, Reggie. What? You've got to go out in that hot glare again? We're going over and see Bud's grandmother. 
If my grandmother finds out I've brought anybody home... She's not going to know. You're going to stay here with Mary Kay. I don't trust her. Hey, why do you say that? She's got that soap and water look in her eye. She's going to wash me. <laughs> why don't you let her? You might get to like it. Go on, Reggie. Coming. Take care of each other, you two. Look, I'll make a deal with you. Yeah? What kind of a deal? You don't wash me, I don't run out on you. <laughs> hey, why the big beef about washing? Doesn't your grandmother ever wield the wash rag? My grandmother don't ever make me do nothing. Oh, but she must care about you. Well, why does she give you injections to make you sleep? I didn't know. But it's not because she cares about me. Oh, that's too bad. No, it ain't. It's okay. She don't care about nothing, and I don't care about nothing. And it's okay, see? I don't like the sound of what Grandma's doing to this kid. <laughs> hey, Grandma. Grandma's something nasty, isn't she? Um, oh, my. Uh, interesting thing, you know, again, we talked about Carlton E. Morris. Actually best known for his radio and television series, One Man's Family, which was the soap opera. But uh, uh, the, he snuck in here with the 1939 with I Love a Mystery. Ran at 3.15 in the afternoon. Uh, Pacific Time. Uh, it started in September 29, 1939 on uh, the uh, West Coast, the NBC West Coast group. By October, it was running the full network. And uh, then they moved it to 7.15 at night when they moved it to the network. In, 40, uh, in 1940, it was, it was still Thursdays, but it was at 8.30 and continuing on the Blue Network uh, from September 30th, 1940 to June 1942. It was heard Mondays and Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Then uh, it was picked up by uh, the CBS network. Procter & Gamble uh, for Oxidol and Ivory Soap. They replaced Fleischmann's Yeast as the sponsor. And uh, that yeah. went to March 1943 to December 29th, 1944 with 15-minute episodes heard weeknights at 7 p.m. Then, uh, from 1944, <laughs> went off the air. It kind of disappeared for four years later. That's where I Love Adventure came on. Broadcast, so it was on originally on NBC West Coast, then the NBC Full, then went on to NBC Blue, and then to CBS. Now it's on ABC, I Love Adventure. Went from uh, April 25th to July 18th, 1948. And followed the post-war adventures of the old uh, the, the trio who worked for the 21 old men of 10 Gramercy Park in London, and so uh, kind of got the explanation for that. They they were too well known at that point to continue on with international work. You kind of kind of work if you're doing spy work type things. If everybody knows who you are, you're not much of a spy, are you? Uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> A year later, it was brought back as, once again, I Love a Mystery, and revived by Mutual this time, and it went on uh, as a sustaining program from 1949 to 1952 with the um, episodes that we uh, that are pretty much, those are the, the I Love a Mysteries that are available today. The, uh, the I, Love, I Love Adventure are out there, but the early... Uh, I Love a Mysteries, I don't believe are really out there available for us. So most of these are from the early 50s. 
Well, thank goodness you found them, because uh, this one's a good story. It's um, This would have been definitely considered a more adult topic, I, I should think, because I, I, I don't like what this grandma's yeah, doing to I mean, these I kids. Mean, we counted at least 11 needle marks in this kid's arm. He's tough, man. They don't hurt. Yeah, well, kid had a tough street life, so we'll find out what happens to him. Hopefully, he'll wind up in a better place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you you never know. You never know. What's funny is in the uh, I Love a Mystery, this same kid hung around with them a lot. I think they picked him up in the, the series, The Temple of the Vampires, maybe even the one before that, but he kind of hung around with them a lot uh, on, on many of their adventures after that. And uh, the gal was kind of replaced by uh, when he came back with Mercedes McCambridge playing the, the usually the lone female role in most all of these other programs so so we shall find out what big teeth grandma's got with part two <laughs> of i love adventure we look into our eyes we command you to come back this is the house what a fire trip Look out if we don't break our necks getting up on the porch. Now, come on. Don't rap too hard. It'll knock the door off its hinges. Maybe Grandma isn't home. Mm. Maybe she's out playing bridge at the Beverly Wilshire, having tea with Mrs. Rich. Hey, hold on, hold on. Here's something? Somebody's answering the door. I don't hear nothing. Listening just inside the door. Why don't you tell me again? Well? Hey, are you Mrs. Crawford? The name be Mrs. Crawford. Why shouldn't it be? Uh, we represent an insurance company. Oh, do I look like a good risk, young man? Oh, no, we're not trying to sell insurance. No? No. Nah, my name's Jack Packard. Well, how do you do, Mr. Jack Packard? This is Reggie York. Hello, Grandma. <laughs> do tell. I've always been very partial to educated young men with broad shoulders and the way with the girls about them. My grandma, what a beautiful smile you've got. Oh, and from England, too. <laughs> An English lad if there ever was one. How about Mr. Packard and me coming in and talking a little? Uh, just a minute. Oh, I see. No? You said you was from the insurance. That's right. We're detectives for an insurance company. Oh, detectives. Yes. Uh, uh, what's an insurance company need a detective? Why, um, I don't know whether I should tell you this or not. Yes? Well, you see, when a person insured by our company dies and leaves a large amount of money for us to pay to his relatives... Somebody done that? Died and left a lot of money? Happens every day. Well, you see, then Reggie and I are sent out to find the proper relatives to which our company will pay the face of the policy. Well, maybe you young men better come right on in. Open the screen door. Now, you have to excuse me with no carpet on the floor on account they've been sent to the cleaners for weeks now. She really means it's pawn shop. Okay, cut it out, Rick. Come on, right in, gentlemen. Come right in. There ain't much furniture, I grant you, but what they is, you're welcome to. I think this apple box will hold me up. Well, suppose I am poor. There ain't no call to make fun of a poor old lady who's doing the best she can, is there? Oh, look here. Honestly, Mrs. Crawford. I know how it is. I was young and thoughtless once myself. Young folks forget how hard the world can be to old people. Tolerated, that's all. Just barely tolerated. 
and let her hang on a little while longer. Jack, why don't we get out of here and mind our own business? Oh, well, no. No, you don't want to go. Uh, what were you saying about somebody leaving a lot of money? Uh, Mrs. Crawford, that was just an old... Yeah, yes, Miss Crawford, just an old acquaintance of yours. At least so we're led to understand. Uh, you know, or should I say, you did know a gentleman by the name of Robert McCauley? Robert? Oh, oh, you be meaning... Dear old Robbie McCauley, why, of course. And would it be Robbie who's died and left me the money? Yeah, but Mrs. Crawford... Of course I knew Robbie McCauley. Known him all my life. Grew up with him. Nearly married me. Oh, great. He did so three different times. He almost married you three different times? He did. And if he left me money, it's no more than right that he should. Us being what we were to each other. Okay, Jack. Witness is yours. Before we can go any further towards getting Robert McCauley's money for you, I'm going to have to ask you a few questions. Well, if they're about Robbie... No, they're not. Uh, they're about your grandson. What's my grandson to do with it? Everything. His name's Bud, I think. Uh, Bud Crawford? That's right. Well, there's one stipulation in Miss McCauley's will, uh... Money goes to you only providing you've been a good grandmother to Bud. Well, who says I haven't been a good grandmother? Nobody, no. It's just in the will. You see, Mr. McCauley loved children. Oh, yes. <laughs> I remember. He always did, yes. Yeah, so we've got to make sure in our own mind that you love and care for Bud. Huh? Uh, could we see him? Why, why, I think the loving lad is at his studies in school at the moment. Oh, I see. Well, I don't suppose it's really necessary to see him personally. Maybe if you'll just show us around the house, show us his room and his toys. What for? We've got to have something which to form an opinion of your relations with your grandson. Did you ever know a grandmother that didn't love her grandchildren? Well... Did you? Well, no, not that I know of. Well, there you are. I love Bud, and I give him all the, the mother care. I know how. And he'd tell you the same if he was home. So what more is there? Oh, by the way, Reggie, that other appointment... Uh, other appointment? Uh, oh. oh, yes, yes, that. Look, it's almost four o'clock. I wonder if you'll stay here and finish up with Mrs. Crawford while I run along. Uh, well, what about the money? Well, Reggie will finish talking with you about that. It's nice meeting a kind old gentlewoman like you, Mrs. Crawford. Uh, take good care of Mrs. Crawford while I'm out, Reggie. Uh, will do. Well, he certainly had to get up and go in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, that's Jack. Abrupt. You know what I think, Mrs. Crawford? What? I think Jack just got up and left because he wasn't getting anywhere with him. Getting anywhere? Sure. The minute you laid eyes on me and saw I was a bit of brawn and bone from England, you weren't interested in what he was saying at all. Uh, but what about Robbie Macaulay's money? <laughs> See, uh, you aren't interested in money when you've got a broad-shouldered lad. Who says I'm not interested in money? Why, Grandma, what greedy eyes you've got. You uh, wouldn't by any chance be one of the original 1890 gimme girls, would you? What is this, anyway? Grandma, could I ask you something? Don't call me Grandma. And you get on out of this house. <laughs> Going to get tough, huh? You want me to call the police? Sure. You want me to get them on the line for you? Well, what do you want to ask? Grandma, what's that stuff you've been shooting into Bud's arm at night? That syringe. Hey, Grandma, don't look so scared. Where's Bud? Where's my boy? Just take it easy now. Nothing's the matter with Bud. Now, Bud's a sickly boy. Bud's not well. And they... What's that? Hmm? What's what? Somebody in my bedroom. 
Maybe you've got burglars. Maybe you're just hearing things. Yes, He's standing just on the other side of that door. <laughs> what big ears you've got, Grandma. Look. The doorknob's turning. The door's opening. You! Well, if it isn't my old sidekick, Jack Packard himself. You look pretty upset, Miss Crawford. What are you doing? In my bedroom. You're an old lady, Miss Crawford. You shouldn't get so upset. Get out of my house. You hear me? Get out of my house. Sit down, Grandma. You let go of me. Sit down. Jack wants to talk to you. That's it. You, you can't do this to an old lady. You can't, man. All handle... right, that'll be enough of that. You recognize this narcotic needle? Dog on syringe, big enough for a horse. You do recognize it, don't you? It's a needle you've been using to give your grandson injections. What was the hypnotic drug you used? You're wrong. You're wrong. Well, never mind, never mind. The police laboratory will tell me quick enough. Where'd you get the stuff? Oh, I'm a very old lady. Well, it's a good thing you are, because I feel like mussing somebody up good. Shooting a kid full of hypnotic drugs and then sending him out to do your dirty work for you. Dirty? What sort of dirty work? Purse snatching, for one thing. When he was shot full of that stuff, he responded to any suggestion his grandmother made to him. That's how the old lady's been living. Look, here's a couple of women's purses. Those are my purses. They're mine. There's no such thing. Look, this one's got the initials J.J.B. stamped on it. The other one's got a personal card inside. Mrs. H.S. Edwards. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? An old lady like you. Persecuting an old woman. Cut the crocodile tears, Grandma. But here's the most interesting item. I found it tucked in the back corner of a bureau drawer. Uh-oh. Gold watch. Yeah, and on the back of it is engraved the following. To Patrolman John S. Redmond from the Los Angeles Police Commission for his excellent work in the performance of his duties connected with the control of narcotic traffic. Patrolman Redmond? But he's been missing for almost three weeks. Yeah, the police department's been like a bunch of caged wildcats. What's the matter, Miss Crawford? Nothing to say? Under the circumstances, I doubt if I would either. But that was a dirty business trying to make an 11-year-old kid think he did it. You had him full of that hypnotic stuff. You had him with you. You heard the shot. You heard the officer's death cry. You told him over and over he'd killed. When he woke up, he believed it. Very well, Mr. Packard. If you are going to persecute me... There's not much I can do about it. Hello. What's come over the old dame? You say all this isn't true? If I've done all this, there's got to be a body someplace. That's right. Have you found a body? Grandma, you should have cleaned Bud's muddy shoes the next morning. Shoes? That's right. Where would a boy get muddy shoes walking around this neighborhood in June? I don't know. I didn't either until I went out and looked around. There's been some new street work not so long ago. What happened? Did a water main break? I don't know what you're suggesting. I'm suggesting that Patrolman Redmond was on to your little narcotic business. He told his office he was on to something, and I think he came out here, put the bee on you, and you took care of him. Took care of him? Yeah. Then planted the body out in the street excavation where they were repairing the water main. It was at night. Bud told us that much. And that's how Bud got his shoes muddy. So you think somebody shot somebody? That's right. Sit down, Grandma. You take your hands off me. I told you. All right, just a minute, Reggie. Let her up. Manhandling an old lady. You think you're going to walk out on it? Who's walking out on anybody? You come with me. Where? Calling a body a murderess. I'll show you. Watch out, Jack. She doesn't give you the slip. Who's giving anybody the slip? Stand aside so I can open this door. Well, will you look at this? 
The old shack's got a basement. And what if it has? I'll show you if I'm a murderess or not. What a heel, Jack. It's tricky. Oh, well, you needn't walk on the hem of my skirt. What's supposed to be down here? There now. Well, just a dirt floor. Yeah. Dank and soggy as a marsh. And now you know why my grandson had mud on his shoes. Well, he must have an underground spring. No. Watch me a step. It's darker than the inside of a cow. Is that why you brought us down here to show us this soggy basement? Turn your flashlight over in the corner there. Give me a flash, Rosie. No. Mm. Now, there you are. Now, say I'm... Where is he? He's gone. Who's gone? What are you talking about? I had him tied up down here. How did he get away? You had who tied up down here? That Snoopy policeman. You had Officer Redmond tied up down here in this basement for three weeks? He was hurt. I was nursing him back to his health. <laughs> tied up down here in this pneumonia hatchery? And you were nursing him back to health? You're nuts, Grandma. Reggie, call the homicide squad. Come to bring their picks and shovels. And I swear, Mary Kay, they have more cops swarming over that old lady's house than Lucas time in Kansas. Mrs. Crawford is under arrest for murder? Well, they haven't booked her yet. They're looking for Officer Redmond's body. Oh. Digging up the street in front of the house and in the basement. It's buried there someplace. But why has Jack got Bud in his office? Well, I'm supposed to be catching you up on what's happened while he's trying to pry something else out of the boy. Mm. Now that his grandmother's in heart, what's to become of him? Bud? Hmm? Juvenile not whole, I guess. Gee, that's too bad. Honestly, he's nice people, Reggie. Once I got some of the dirt off his hands and face. He let you wash him? Sure, we got to be pally as... Hey! I got a grandmother, too. No kidding. A nice girl like me? Of course I have. <laughs> she and Grandfather live in the country. Are you talking about wishing Bud Crawford off on your grandparents? Well, why not? They got lots of room. They'd show Bud what real grandparents are like. Uh-oh. Jack wants us to come in. Yeah, it looks that way. No kidding, though, Reggie. What's the matter with the idea? Well, don't ask me. Bud likes it, and your grandparents like it. All right, come on in, you two. You got anything new, Jack? Bud and I have been talking about where he's going to live. Yeah. I know she wasn't very much of a grandmother, but... Well, golly, when she's the only grandmother a fellow's got... Hey, Bud. I was just thinking. Yeah? Yeah. I got a swell grandmother. A country grandmother. How'd you like to have a share of her? You think she'd want me? I'll make you a bet. You, you mean real country with cows and, and butter and stuff? Honest to goodness cows and honest to goodness butter. Hey, that's something I always wondered about. When you get butter right out of a cow, how does the cow know to make a quarter pound cube right on the nose? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, boss. I'll take it, man. Hello. Yeah, uh, that's Packard speaking. Oh, hello, Inspector. Hey, what's that? You don't say. Well, that's better than... Out of his head, huh? Yeah, but he's going to be... Good. Yeah. Yeah, murder always leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling. Check. What are you grinning about? Officer Redmond's alive. Well, oh, no kidding. What do you know? Yeah, the old lady did have him tied up. She fired at him, but only creased him. 
Tied him up and dragged him into the cellar. Well, you said something about out of his head? Yeah, he's in the county hospital. Picked up wandering, dazed on the street. Out of his head with fever. He's going to live? Yeah. Well, but how did he get away? Old lady got careless or something. But he's alive, bud. And do you know that's a wonderful thing for you? Yeah? You bet. Murder is a tough thing for a kid to carry around on his shoulders. Even to the third and fourth generation. Hey, you know something? I'm nuts about the way you talk, Mr. Packard. Yeah? Even to the third and fourth generation. Someday I'm going to talk like that. (laughs) You could do a lot worse, bud. Talk like him. Act like him. Hey, I think you're in love with him. (laughs) He thinks he's in love with him. (laughs) Talk about your department of understatement. Well, what's the matter with that, you dope? I'm not the dope. Jack's the dope. D-O-P-E, dope. With double palm and oak leaf cluster. You have just heard I Love Adventure, a new Carlton E. Morse production. Featuring Michael Raffetto as Jack Packard and Tom Collins as Reggie York. Next week, adventure number eight, entitled The Man with the Three Green Eyes. Jeanette Nolan was the grandmother in tonight's show. Gene Bates was Mary Kay Jones. And Henry Blair was Bud Crawford. But Grandma, What Big Teeth You Have was written and produced by Carlton E. Morris. Organ music by Rex Corey. Your announcer, Jim Butters. Now, a listening reminder. Stay tuned for The Johnny Fletcher Show. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Cows and butter. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, what? when it came back the next year's I Love a Mystery, Reggie, who was supposed to be an English chap, uh, it didn't sound like it at all here, uh, was played by none other than a very young Tony Randall. The devil, you say? Yeah, just a little bit of fun with that. I did not know that. That's a new thing I learned, and I guess there's probably something else to be learned. The Erie House Radio proudly resents a garrulous moral of the story. It's apologies to Gar. Never send your grandson to do your dirty work. His needle marks will always give you up. That's a crime stopper. Well, that's where Grandma is. Okay. Whoa! <laughs> it's Pac-Man! <laughs> now it was a game over. There we go. <laughs> oh my! So, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, and and Doc Long, he was a Texan, and Reggie, he was from uh, from England. And uh, then uh, I, I don't know if they ever said where where uh, where uh, uh, Jack Packard was from, but uh, he'd be more of a Midwesterner, that type of a thing. So anyway. The three of them together were the A1 detective. I think it was A1 detective agency, and this was I love an adventure. It was a fun story. Uh, although, like I said, it was <laughs> wow, I, especially for those days. 
to have a drugging story like that is yeah, and, and, and not just the not just the drugging story, but drugging a like a ten year old kid. Or so, yeah. you know, ten or twelve. It's stood by like his that. grandma, no less. <laughs> <laughs> it should make you feel better. <laughs> yeah. No, all I need is ice cream to make me feel better. I don't need that. You'll yeah. keep coming back for my pies. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry to say that's the only grandma story we have in our programming t- tonight, Dale. I'm sorry. Whew. I'm somewhat relieved. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. She was quite the creep. She was, and basically, although he wasn't hypnotized, he was kind of uh, uh, put into a hypnotic state. Yes. Sort of. So that's uh, kind of uh, uh, how we got into the hypnotized action for this one, but yeah, we've got, and still got, yep, not one, but two stories left to share here tonight. Uh, we do. And we do. they're good ones. We we, <laughs> we got more tomorrow yet, too. We're going to keep you hypnotized as best we can throughout the weekend. Uh, but plenty more tonight. Yes. Uh, we want to hypnotize you Look into our eyes. You will always tune in on Friday and Saturday nights to Erie House Radio. Uh, yeah. I think Have you I ever think been hypnotized, Dave? No. Although I have on my show a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it always happens that, boy, I can't believe he hypnotized so fast. That, well, he had to. This, this is only a three-minute section here, you know? Yeah. When I was a kid growing up, we I had the thrill of this was the day when malls were 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 becoming a new thing, you know? And they had just built Randall Park Mall, which now is defunct. But uh and, Randall and, Park Mall was extremely <laughs> popular when it was built. It was by Northfield, it was by Maple Heights, it was by Bedford Heights, it was by Bedford. Um so there were a lot of potential shoppers, you know. And you know, uh, Hey Dale, you know not only was it was it that convenient, it was actually at that time it was built the largest mall in the country. Yes, yes, by the yeah. NEG, the Bartolo Corporation. But uh, they had a staging area, you know what I mean. And sometimes when they would have uh, you know mini conventions, sometimes in the hallways and stuff. Well, one day I guess a, a hypnotist had it all rented out, and he's calling subjects up, me being one of them. <laughs> And he's going through his routine, and people are dropping off and doing what he's telling them. And I'm looking around me like, what the hell? <laughs> I, I just, I guess I can't be put under. I, I decided to be an ass and pretended, half pretended to be hypnotized. And then uh, he tried to turn me into a chicken, and I asked him if he was, <laughs> I told him to get clocked and walk <laughs> Walked off the stage, <laughs> and he was really pissed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I, they do say that some people are are much easier to uh, break down, and it, 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 that their will can be imposed upon. But I've never actually seen it actually work. You know, you've seen it in the movies and. TV shows. I think the funniest one I ever saw was an episode of the Dick Van Dyke show where he was in the other room 
but he got hypnotized. Every time he would hear a bell, he would become a, he would be, act like he was drunk. Then, then when he heard the next oh, I bell, remember he that episode. <laughs> oh my goodness, was that was that absolutely hilarious? The phone would ring once, he was drunk, it would ring again, he straightened right up, and uh, absolutely uh, hilarious. But you know, it, it's been more of a a comic, and even even uh, to a bit of you know, like the hypnotic eye, uh, a little bit of horror to it. Uh, but I've never actually seen somebody truly get uh, uh, hypnotized. Now, you were there. Did you believe that those people were actually hypnotized or just playing along? In, well, here, let me let me try to be as objective as a sarcastic ass can be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> A, a jaded individual that, that I am. Uh, but again, trying to be objective, uh, in the manner which I, if I, if I look at it this way, in the manner in which I was selected to participate, it made me feel like the others were random picks or not all of them could have been plants. If you get my drift, yeah, you know, yeah, faking yeah. part of the show or whatever. So, uh, it left me to wonder if they were weak-minded and subjective to uh, uh, hypnosis, or does it take a certain amount of willingness to go under? I don't know. I don't know, because it's been used medically, they say, uh, hypnotism, and I, I, I just... I try to have an open mind on it, but I'm like, no, I need more proof. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Need more data. Yeah, that's, that's true. It was a, a clinical use for to to uh, uh, fix you of certain things. You know, uh, one of the big re- re- reasons for it uh, that that uh, people did it for was, uh, I know that Rick Atkins did it to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. And... Buddy would have to go back like once a month because he would he would start to feel himself getting weak again. Then he would go back and get another dose of hypnotism, and then yeah. he'd be fine for another month. Um, uh, uh, I mean, that almost sounds like a scam to me. He honestly believed it helped him. So uh, I, I guess if it works, if you allow yourself to give in and to let someone take full control like that, then, oh, then, see, uh, I have control issues. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why we're both on our second marriage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> why am I laughing? That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sad. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <sighs> but uh, but no, he was serious about it. That, that truly helped him. But only. For a month, now, I know somebody that, that also that said they did that, and they went cold turkey. They had no withdrawal, and they never smoked another cigarette again. So hmm. I, I, I guess it does have, but again, you have to be willing to go in for that, and you have to be willing to accept it. And uh, and and that's just not. It certainly is not for everyone. No, and and if I were to accept it, and I don't yet. Um, again, trying to be open-minded, uh, but I, I agree that it would take a degree of willingness on the subject's part. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I guess I can say I believe that it, it can happen if they completely 
accept it and allow it to happen. Yeah, I I would have a hard I would have a hard time with that too. You know, I do. I really would. It's definitely a trust issue too. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to wake up with empty wallet, or I'm going to end up, uh, you know, uh, naked as a Jay Bird in Central Park. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or some guy's basement. Um, <laughs> oh, God, no. So let's not go there any further. Um, I'm already going to have bad dreams like the kid in the last episode of <laughs> I Love Adventure. But we have two more twisted tales of hypnosis. Ah, you know what? Why don't we go to the sitcom next? Uh, as sure, we Gasoline Alley enjoy- time. Gasoline Alley Time, which was a, it, you know, it was just one of these daily comic strips that uh, that was in the newspapers. It wasn't a ha-ha funny. I thought it was interesting. I liked the characters and the progression of where things are going. Actually, this is one of the things where they actually slowly aged. The, you know, unlike so, like Charlie Brown, who started off uh, uh, and, you know, only went a little bit, and then that was as far as he went. Uh, but some some characters like in, like, for better, for worse, they they did continue to age and become the kids grew up to become young adults and things like that, uh, and that's interesting to follow. But uh, uh, but the, this is a program where eventually they did uh, start to, especially by the 1960s, they were starting to, you know, the the, the it went from being a parent to being a grandparent and things like that. Now, Gal Scalzoni Alley was based on the the uh, Popularly, the newspaper comic strip Gasoline Alley, my friend. When it first started in 1931, it was under the name of Uncle Walt and Skeezix. Now, those are the two that owned the the gas station slash, because back then, all gas stations had mechanics. They fixed cars as well. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, they don't do that. You know, you might find a pro shop, uh, uh, but very seldom are they ever connected with uh, uh, gasoline pumps anymore. No, they they, they standardized it and made it too simple to just go pump your own gas so they don't have to pay some schmuck to go out there and clean your windows, too. (laughs) True. Uh, uh, But they first started in 1931. Now, in 1941, the show uh, came back, and that was when NBC brought it in with the name The Gasoline Alley. The same with that, and almost the exact same cast as the 1931, and that was a bit unusual at the time. But it, actually, another thing that made it unusual, it, it was almost a literal transfer of the storyline that appeared in the comic pages. So uh, even if it was a 15-minute one, it would take the the Monday through Friday and the Sunday, and they would take that storyline, and that's what, the, that's what the week's story would be. So it was almost a literal translation of the storyline. Then... Hmm. Uh, then it uh, from there it, that was on NBC. It ran from there on until April eleventh, forty one. Which which NBC Blue Network, of course, they had the red and the blue, uh, and it ended its run in nineteen forty one. It came back in nineteen forty eight, but as a syndicated series. Now again, these are the most of the episodes that are out there, and it featured Bill Lipton, Mason Adams who is all over uh, uh, radio, especially in the 50s, and, of course, did many of the uh, CBS Radio Mystery Theaters. And one of the reasons I loved Lou Grant as much as I did, 
he was Charlie Hume, the managing editor on that, because I heard it so much on radio, I'd love to see him work there on television. Uh, and Robert Dryden, who was uh, uh, not only all over the radio in the 50s, but also in the 60s, and also uh, probably did more male voices on the CBS Radio Mystery Theater than any other uh, male actor. And when it came back, it was sponsored by, as we mentioned earlier, by Autolite. And the music all came from the harmonica group, the Polka Dots. Yay! <laughs> Gotta love the Polka Dots. Absolutely. And uh, I know in New York, uh, in WOR New York, it aired from July 16, 1948 to January 7, 1949 as the syndicated series. I have a uh, this is a, this is only a fifteen minute break and what I, I you know I'm going to point this out now because there's no mid break on here uh, and especially for those of you listen like Fogs Bain and Dale you uh, uh, Robert Dryden is supposed to be the other voice now this was either a very young Robert Dryden or what it really sounded to me was more like Ralph Bell who did a lot of radio and especially did a lot of he did um, 109 radio mystery theaters. So uh, the the guy um, and I don't know whether he was just replacing Robert Dryden for that week or whatever, but uh, check that out and and tell me what you guys think uh, at the end of this particular episode of Gasoline Alley. Your Autolite dealer presents your favorite friends from Gasoline Alley. <laughs> Hold it, Wilmer. Hold it till I get this phone. Okay, Skizek. Wallet and Bobble Garage, Skizek's wallet speaking. Oh, what's that? Yes, sir, we can fix it. We can fix anything on four wheels. Sure, we'll be waiting for you right here in Gasoline Alley. Yes, it's Gasoline Alley, the comic strip that's a favorite in more than a hundred great newspapers from coast to coast. In this episode, The Adventure of the Hypnotized Hero, the boys get mixed up in quite a mishmash of mesmerism. But right now, a word from the friendly Autolite dealer in your own hometown. Gasoline Alley. Just lately, there has been an epidemic of auto thefts in town, all attributed to Hot Car Harry. So this morning, Skeezix and his partner, Wilmer Bobble, are installing new locks on Professor Fulsom's car. At least, Skeezix is. As for Wilmer, well, Wilmer's mind seems concerned with something else entirely. Ah, there. I've almost finished. Let's hand me that screwdriver, Wilmer. Huh? Oh, oh, sure. Here you are, Skeezix. Wilmer, that's a ball-peen hammer, not a screwdriver. Huh? Oh, oh, sure. Screwdriver. Here. Uh, I wonder why the mailman doesn't come. Will you stop worrying about the mail? I told you ten times, Rufus is out front. He'll bring the mail when it comes. Yeah, if he doesn't go to sleep instead. What's the matter with him this morning? Hey! 
That's an idea. What's an idea? What are you talking about? When I get what the mailman's bringing me, I'll really put Rufus to sleep. That wouldn't be hard to do. Well, the locks are finished. Professor Folsom will just remember to lock it. I'd like to see Hot Car Harry get away with this one. There it is, Walmer. That man you've been in such a sweat about. Oh, boy, swell. Let's have it, Rufus. Okay. Home Institute of Hypnotic Art. Wow, Walmer. So now you're going to be a hypotenimus. Uh, So now you're a sucker for something else. And it here, nosy there. There, Skeetix. What do you think of that? Take a look. Hypnotism in ten easy lessons. Now what, Wilmer? Sure. See, they, they sent me lessons one and two. Now, just, just, just let me have a look here. Uh-huh. To, um, uh, to put your subject in a trance, look him straight in the eyes and say, you are in my power. Then you say, you will now sleep. You are very sleepy. Oh, I sure am, Wilmer. Rufus, I wasn't even looking at you. I know, but I'm sleepy just the same. My gosh, that's it. I'll hypnotize Rufus. Oh, no, Wilmer. No, you don't. Uh, before you go into your act, Wilmer, how about seeing what that customer wants? Okay, Skeeter, but stay right where you are, Rufus. Lesson two. Fix the subject with a steady, cold, reptilian stare. Sometimes I think Wilmer is almost as dumb as I am. Hey, Ski Six, why don't I let Wilmer hypnotize me, huh? Oh, Wilmer doesn't know that much about it, Rufus. I know, but just to make him happy, I could pretend. Oh, wait, that. wait, wait. Here he comes. There was just a guy putting some free air in his tires. Okay, Rufus, you're ready to be hypnotized. I've got it all studied out. Sure, Wilmer, I'm ready. I'm really ready. Huh, Uh, Rufus, I don't believe I... Pay no attention to Skeezics, Rufus. I'll just prove to him I can do it. Oh, I'm sure you can do it, Wilmer. In fact, I can guarantee it. I mean... Uh, now, where's my book? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we are. Uh-huh. And uh, now, look me right in the eyes, Rufus. Keep looking. Keep looking. There. Uh, Rufus, you are now in my power. Yes, master, I am in your power. Yeah, he is. Holy smokes, Skeezix, even I didn't think it would work that fast. Oh, now look, Wilmer, Rufus isn't really hypnotized. He's just my... he isn't hypnotized. I've got eyes, haven't I? You are very sleepy, very sleepy, aren't you, Rufus? Yes, master. Look at that, Skeezix, he's so sound asleep he snored. Yes, Wilmer, but I've been trying to tell you that... Let me see what else I can make him do. And listen, Rufus, you are now a little woolly lamb, see? A lamb. Yes, master. Oh, all right, fellas, that's enough horseplay. A customer just drove in with a flat tire. Come on, Wilmer. Okay, Skeezix. Okay, Rufus. Snap out of it. You are now out of my power. Wilmer, look. Mayor Ransom's car. Yeah, I recognized it, too. Well, how are you today, Your Honor? What was that you just called me, Bubba? That's not Mayor Ransom, Skeezix. Boy, what a tough guy. I, uh, I saw you in Mayor Ransom's car, so I thought you were Mayor Ransom. Well, I ain't Mayor Ransom, and it's ain't Mayor Ransom's car. Oh, yes, it is Mayor Ransom's car, mister. We work on it plenty of times, okay, but we know. Okay, I want you to work on it again, right now. Get busy and fix his flat tire. Oh, then, of course, the mayor wants us to put on the new set of four super balloons he talked to us about. Look, Bub, I just want his flat fixed. And fast, see? But the mayor asked us to order him, and we've got him. He told us to put him on first time he had a flat. Well, he changed his mind. Changed his mind? 
I think I'd better call. And him. I think if you what? take one more step, Bob, I'll have to use this on you. Holy smoke, a gun. All right, God. stupid. And I know how to use it, too. Jesus. This guy must be. He must okay, be. Okay, stupid, if you insist on a formal intro, the name is Harry. Hot car Harry. The car thief? Right. The cops are looking for me, so I'm in a slight hurry. Now then, do you guys fix this flat? Or do I start shooting? Gasoline Alley and the adventure of the hypnotized hero. Right now, Skeezix, Wilmer, and Rufus are changing a tire on Mayor Ransom's car, which has been stolen by the notorious auto thief, Hot Car Harry. And at the moment, Hot Car Harry himself is standing over the boys with a gun. All right, you yokels, get a move on with that tire. We're working fast as we can, Mr. Hot. Mr. Carr, I mean, Mr. Harry. We, we, we'd work faster if you, if you point that can in the other way. Stop shaking, Wilmer, and hand me that tire tool. Well, I'm, I'm not shaking because I'm scared. It's just, 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 just sort of cool in here. You'd all better be scared. You better hurry, too. You there. You mean me, Mr. Hot Harry? I mean... Yeah, you. Snap it up. Stop stumbling around like you're asleep in your feet. Uh, Rufus can't help it. He always looks like that. I wish I were asleep somewhere far, far away from here. Sleep. Skeezix, that gives me a great idea. What do you mean, Wilmer? Sleep. By using my hypnotism, I'll put Hot Car Harry to sleep. Wilmer, you're crazy. You're I hypnotized Rufus, didn't I? I tried to tell you about that. Rufus all right, you two. What's all that mumbling about down there? Well, here I go, Skeezix. Hey, you. What are you standing up for? Rufus, Wilmer, please, Rufus. Shut up, you. Okay, stupid. Now, what are you up to? Uh, yeah, Bob. I want to look you right in the eyes, Mr. Hot Car Harry. Well, well, at a time like this, stupid feels romantic. Look, Dope, you are now in my power, Mr. Hot Car Harry. What? What are you talking about? You are now getting very sleepy. You are now getting slightly nuts. I slept nine hours last night. You are now getting very, very sleepy. Look, bird brain, I don't know what you're up to, but you better stop right where you are. Wilmer, Wilmer, he's pointing the gun at you. Yeah, you got some sense, bub. You better stop him before I... You are now getting very, very, very sleepy. Stop staring at me like that, will you? Listen, you other guys, is this character nuts? He thinks he's a hypnotist, but he's he gone completely off his rocker. Now, listen, you, I don't like to shoot a crazy guy. You are now a little woolly lamb. Do something, this crazy mud's falling on me. Watch out, you get him off of me. I'll help you hold him up, Mr. Harry, and I'll also give you this. Skeezix. Skeezix. You knocked him out. Yeah, and Wilmer's out, too. Don't stand there, Rufus. Tie up Mr. Hot Car Harry with that piece of wire. Oh, okay. There you are. Good. Wilmer. Wilmer, wake up. Wilmer. Uh, where, 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 where am I? Wilmer, you hypnotized yourself. You fell on your face. Yeah, now Mr. Hot Car's out on his back. He's out on his... 
Holy smokes, geezers, it worked. I hypnotized him. You didn't hypnotize anybody but yourself, Walmart. Well, why then? Huh? Well, what's he doing there on the floor? Geezers, hit him on the jaw and knocked him there. You might have been killed, Wilmer. I try to tell you that you haven't got any hypnotic power. But I have. I hypnotized Rufus. Go on. Tell him, Rufus. That was just a joke, Walmer. I wasn't hypnotized. I was just pretending. You, 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 you mean I, I... I walked into this guy's gun... Thinking I could... Oh! Oh, no! Oh, yes. Oh. Hey, look, Skazix. Wilma's hypnotized himself again. Your Gasoline Alley friends will be back in just a moment. Now, a word from your own Autolite dealer. about the next adventure in Gasoline Alley. Here's Skeezix. Oh, now that we're on our own for the evening, Wilmer, let's go to the restaurant for dinner. A restaurant, Skeezix? Didn't you ever hear of the J. Wilmer Bobble method of broiling a steak? Frankly, no. How do you do it? He puts a steak under the fire in the oven, Skeezix, and then he puts a big pot of water on the stove. Yes, Rufus, and then? The water boils over just as the steak catches on fire, and that keeps the house from burning down. <laughs> His name is Skeezix? <laughs> yeah, Walter Walter Skeezix. That's his last name. Oh, as long as it's Walter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, and that was from, as I didn't say it earlier, June 6th of 1948. I see a pattern here. I seen it was, uh, uh, I'm sorry about it. I guess we now it was October 15th of 48. And yes. uh, the, the, the Idaho mystery was June 16th of 48. And our, uh, when it comes up, our, our, our quiet police will also be from 1948. Ah. Well, that was uh, fun. Very much like a comic strip. I, I almost felt like I was reading one. <laughs> no, I, I, did, I didn't mean to sound... <laughs> this time I didn't mean to be sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> No, it really felt yeah. that way. I, I meant no, that in earnest, and, and, and that's no slight either, especially having been a, a comic book collector at at, at a, one time in my life. I, you know, it, it just, uh, uh, it's a fun, uh, just a fun little show. Nothing really, again, nothing hilarious, but then the comic strip itself was never a real serious comic strip, but it wasn't a real ha-ha funny. So it, it actually had the very same feel that the comic strip had. So uh, I'm sure that uh, I wonder if it's still around. It probably is not still around today. Uh, it's not in, in my local paper here. Uh, it was in both uh, the Lima News when I visited my grandparents there, and it was also in the Buffalo Evening News, so I could catch it right there. Uh, and that's when uh, that was the only thing I cared about in the newspaper 
was the uh, <laughs> the comics. <laughs> oh, that was the greatest thing, especially if you had some silly putty. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because you could just and, peel up a image of the comic right there uh, with your with your silly putty. Of course, it's backwards, but they have to take it to the mirror to read it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and well worth it. Yep, yep. Simpler, and simpler times. <laughs> we had toys you didn't even have to plug in or have batteries for. How about that? And yet they still worked somehow. They did. And he had so, imagination. That's right. There were so many, so many things we learned, we can learn from back then. We could. There are. In fact, there's probably something we could learn now, I would imagine. <laughs> Yep, we're going to call him Segway Dave from now on. Eerie House Radio <laughs> proudly presents another garless moral of the story. It's apologies to Gar. Sometimes it's easier to hypnotize with a wrench to the head than with your words. That's definitely... Ouch. Ouch. But very effective. I I know about those head injury things. I do. (laughs) Yes, you do of late. (laughs) The story of my life. That's why I could never shave my head. I have so many bumps and dents that you could just kiss that goodbye. (laughs) You're not in too bad a shape. Maybe you should have been a stuntman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because actually... I do have not only a friend, but a, but an occasional cast member who was a professional stuntman, uh, no, Mr. J. Oh, no Bob. And he, what he always wanted to be was a professional stuntman. It's the only, you know, it's one of the few things you can always remember. And 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 that's what he did when he got to be college age. He ran off to California, and. Uh, Became went to stunt school and he became a stuntman. He was uh, in uh, a lot of different things. Uh, one of the things he was in was uh, the uh, the the escape from New York, and uh, he was in the first draft. Uh, he was in the first raft that blew up as they were <laughs> they were escaping from New York. There uh, earlier in the show, and. Uh, Actually got to meet and get an autograph. He had an autograph from Adrian Barbeau because of, uh, I know. I knew. I, I did, Dave, I got a chance to meet her once. This was one when Jimmy Clink was still alive, and I forget which trade show it was. It might have been. Hmm. I, I don't think it was uh, Horror Hound. It might have been. The mm-hmm. very first one I went to, I don't know. I went with Jimmy Clink. Yeah, I think so. Because yeah, we did. We 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 shared a room. We split on a room. And uh, I, Adrian Barbeau had a table there, and she was kind enough to take pictures with us and everything. But they just nothing came out uh, of either Jimmy's camera or mine, unfortunately. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh beautiful, this, beautiful lady. Another another thing that. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm telling you, that's the only reason I watched Mod growing up. Anyway, uh, yes. uh, another show, he did a lot of work for Michael Landon, especially on Little House in the Prairie. 
And uh, I think he did a Western once that said, do you know how to ride a horse? And his answer was, no, but I know how to fall off a horse. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's important. <laughs> it is a pure stunt, man. Yeah, especially back in those days, if you're portraying a Native American, you're going to be falling off a horse. (laughs) But but for some time, he spent, uh, I think, about eight years being a professional stuntman. Oh, man, that had to be an interesting life. Painful, but interesting. Painful, but interesting. Absolutely. So, there it is. Mr. J. Bach, uh, Brian O'Connell. Um has had a lot of metamorphosis in his life. He now works with an insurance company. He's part, actually he's part owner where he does. He, he uh, can make uh, 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 estimates on what a particular type of thing that is worth something. And it's a very unique position that he has. So uh, wow. that's kind of how he ended up here in uh, Northeast Ohio. And uh, they do a lot of work for the, the Westfield Bank. And uh, so that's why he's kind of uh, in this area. But uh, he also has done, uh, he spent time being a stand-up comic and did the circuit with that and um, lost, unfortunately lost his son uh, in a motorcycle accident. He went through two tours in Iraq and he came back and he died and he wrote a book about it. It's really been a great to a lot of people called Dad's Cry Too. So um, I remember seeing when he put that out, Dave. Yeah, he is a, a truly uh, an inspiration. I did a, a, a video for him that's up on his uh, Amazon.com uh, account with a book there. Uh, that uh, um, it just a, it, an amazing story of, of struggle and anger and how he got through it. And it's helped a lot of people, not just with their loss of a child, but any kind of major loss that you have in your life. Uh, um shows you how, you know, how he got through it and how maybe you can too. That kind of a thing. Very uplifting. So, uh, yes, very much so. And just an all-around really good guy. I remember when he put the book out, Dave, you, you had told me about it. I remember this now. Uh, he uh, uh, um, has been on in several of our episodes. He kind of was a, the third wheel. Uh, we have a lot of third wheels. So he was the uh, expert when we did the, the giant gila monster and uh, there was another one. Oh, he, uh, he was in the uh, hosting segments for the uh, uh, half a center and he was he's a, uh, a, a semi-recurring character in uh, Spaceship One. He's the, uh, a, the, the, the hack lawyer intergalactic mouthpiece uh, Jet Bach. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> Cool. Well, just uh, different things that, 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 that. But when you mentioned the, the stunt man, I just had to had to bring up I had to bring up today. And uh, that's a great story, though. I'm glad you did. Uh, we've got yet another tale for you tonight. It's um, quiet, please, as Gar would say. Quiet, oh, Gar would please. Say. I would say, quiet, please. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting show, Quiet, Please. Uh, Of course, uh, I I did allude to it earlier that this was uh, from the the very unique mind of Willis Cooper, 
That's right. That's where Dale can always put in. What you talking about, Willis? Anyway, uh, with the um, this, he was the one that did. What you talking about, Willis? That's right. He did create Lights Out. You could, say, and he wrote every episode, 109 episodes of uh, Quiet, uh, Quiet, please. And uh, what's interesting is that uh, this show, in a sense, kind of got its start from the Campbell Playhouse. Now, as we know, the Campbell Playhouse uh, replaced, uh, it was the sponsored version of the Mercury Theater of the Air. Once they got a sponsor, Campbell's, it became the Campbell Playhouse. Well, Willis Cooper was a writer for the, the Campbell's Playhouse, and Ernest Chappell, who is the main actor on every episode of uh, Quiet, Please, uh, he was the announcer for the Campbell Playhouse. That's where they met. And up until Quiet, Please, Ernest Chappell had never had the opportunity to act. And yet, whatever Willis Cooper saw in him, you, he, he knew he could pull this off, and, and he did. He even used different dialects and things like that. But he was the main guy that always told the story to us. Uh, um, so that's what we have tonight in this uh, hypnotic adventure of Symphony in D minor. And we have this from, uh, if we're going from there, September 13th, once again, the wonderful year of 1948. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Broadcasting System presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for tonight is called Symphony in D Minor. Personally, I believe in the law of the jungle. I believe that the fight goes to the strong, to the one that's smarter, to the one that ought to win. I've made my way in life that way. You can't tell me anything different. I never got past high school myself. I had too much to do to waste time going to college. Yet I did it. I've got just about everything I ever wanted. What I haven't got yet, I'll get. The only thing I ask of anybody is get out of my way. Either that or get out of my way. One side or a wheel off. That's my motto. Friend, I may take a wheel off just for good luck. Let's not have any misunderstandings about me. I'm tough, and I know it. I got nothing against you. If I had, you wouldn't be just sitting there listening. You'd be, well, you'd be out of luck, like a like a certain party is going to be one of these days very soon, which I'm going to tell you about shortly. Look, friend, don't get the idea that just because I'm tough, I'm not smart. Because I am. Because I'm going to show you shortly just how smart I am. You want to hear? Good. Last night, I was a guest in his house. A very interesting evening. You see, he's a psychologist, a very smart man. Degrees, honors, knowledge. A beautiful wife. And 
black glasses. Yeah, that's right, he's blind. Very convenient for certain parties. For example, a party named uh, Carol, his wife. For a party named Ray, it's me. See what I mean, friend? You don't? Yeah, you will shortly. He was sitting on a blue Davenport. Oh, I didn't tell you his name, Johannes. I'll just call him Johannes so you'll not get too much of a line on him. I wouldn't want anybody to slip him any information he shouldn't have, you know. Well, he was sitting on the blue Davenport. Carol was upstairs finishing a radio script. Yeah, she's very smart. But she'll have to stop that after she marries me. I don't want any wife of mine working. So anyway, Johannes and I were sitting there, fighting the breeze, as you'd say, in the quartermaster corps. I was bored, but Johannes wasn't. He just keeps right on talking. It isn't whether you believe it or not, Ray. It's a scientific fact. And I have occasion to use it a great deal. It's bunk. Like all the rest of this psychology racket. I'm not going to try to convince you. Oh, you can't convince me. I could, girl. Look, Johannes, I don't believe in it. And even if I did, I know you can't hypnotize a person against his will. You think so? I know so. You want to try a little experiment? No. Well, there's no point in it. You're sure a man can't be hypnotized if he doesn't want to be? Sure. Well, I won't argue with you. Uh, look, hand me that push button on the extension cord there by the desk. This? By the desk. This is the only thing. Is that it? Here. Thank you. What's it for? It's a gadget I have. Listen. What's that? Make you sleepy? Oh, it hurts my ears. Might make you sleepy. Has a very interesting sound. Listen to it carefully, Ray. See if it doesn't give you a kind of heavy, drowsy feeling. Make you want to just lie back and shut your eyes and think about sleeping. It's a lot of bunk. So many people find it's an ideal way to go to sleep. It's better than sleeping pills. It's better than a soft feather bed. Just relaxes your mind so you can't think of anything but just going to sleep. I wish you'd turn it off. I can go to sleep in 30 seconds, though, if I want to. You could, too. You could sleep right away if you wanted to. If you'd relax. That's it. You're getting sleepy already, aren't you? No, I am not. Nothing like sleep. Nothing like relaxing back in that nice, soft, easy chair and letting your head fall back and taking deep breaths. Deep breaths, the way you do when you're asleep. Take five deep breaths, sir. See what happens. Mm, so I am not. No, it's good, sir. Try sleeping. Make you feel better. So two eyes and listen to that sound. Relax. Breathe deeply. Take it easy. And sleep. And sleep, and sleep, and sleep. And I was so bored I just dropped off to sleep a minute while he was mumbling away. I wasn't asleep a minute, but you know how it is. You get bored listening to somebody yada da yada da, and, yeah, you know. I woke up when Carol opened the door and came in. I got right up out of my chair. She startled me, I guess. I never was so glad to see anybody. I was bored with you, Honest. And the funniest thing happened. 
Johannes whistled, and I walked right over to Carol without thinking what I was doing, and I kissed her. Now, why the devil did I do that? I said, kind of stupid, because I was scared right in front of him. And Johannes really had a fit <laughs> Said you couldn't be hypnotized, Ray. What are you talking about? You were out like a life, my friend. I was not. And I gave you a post-hypnotic suggestion that when I whistled, you were to kiss Carol. Are you kidding, your Johannes? Of course I'm not kidding. You're the most natural hypnotic subject I've ever run across. Why, you can be hypnotized at the drop of a hat without even knowing it. Now, what do you think of that? Well, I'll tell you what I think. I think this character, Johannes, is smarter than I thought he was. But not smarter than I am, certainly, but hmm, smart. Even though he doesn't suspect anything, and even though he can't see, I have got to be careful. Haven't I, Carol? I'll see you tonight about a quarter to eight, huh? It sure is too bad your husband can't go to the theater with us, isn't When I sit down and I look at Johannes, I give him a very large, affable hello. I say, well, how are you doing, friend guy? <laughs> I hope you didn't rhyme that little experiment last night, Ray. No, it was very interesting. And instructive, Johannes. Yes, it was. Very instructive. Yeah, I should say so. I'm going to watch out for you. Hmm? I don't want to be stretched out over two chairs with people breaking rocks on my chest. <laughs> I saw that once when I was a kid on a vaudeville show. Oh, I don't do things like that. <laughs> I sure hope not. <laughs> yeah. Hey, now. Uh... You asleep, Ray? Yes. I'm asleep. Went to sleep very easily this time, didn't you? Yes. You told me last night to go to sleep whenever I heard that sound. You didn't like the sound. No, I didn't. But I do now. It puts me to sleep. You know you're to do anything I tell you to do. Oh, yes, yeah, sure. If I told you to bark like a dog. <laughs> or sing for me. <laughs> and tell me the truth about everything. Oh, yes, Your Highness. What about Carol? I'm going to take her away from you, Your Highness. That's what you said last night. Oh, yes, I remember. Do you love her, Ray? Not especially. But she's pretty. I'd rather have her than to have you have her. She's my wife, Ray. I know. Why, Ray? Don't you think it's rather representative to steal a man's wife? Especially a blind man who doesn't know what's going on? Oh, no, I don't think so. Well, it is. I guess it is if you say so, Your Highness. Does Carol love you, Ray? She says she does. I used to love her myself. Quite a great deal, as a matter of fact, Ray. That's too bad. But after what you told me last night and now... Realize that you've been playing with her sucker. Hasn't she? She sure has. 
You think I should love her now? No. Well, I don't. Good. Ray, what would you do if your wife ran away with another man? I haven't got a wife, Johannes. Yes. But if you did have one who paid you for a sucker the way Carol's paid me, would you kill her? Of course I'd kill her. All right. Ray, you kill Carol. All right. When? Well, now, you don't want to get me mixed up in this little act of simple justice, do we, Ray? Oh, no, of course not. Well, then, we'll have to do it sometime and some place when I'm not around. All right, your honest. You say where and where. How about your place? All right. As a matter of fact, you and Carol weren't really going to the theater tonight, were you? Oh, no. We're going out to a nightclub where we can be alone for a while. I see. Well, couldn't you stop by your place tonight? All right. Stop by my place tonight. I'll see. You're a music lover, aren't you, Ray? Oh, yes. And you have a phonograph. And lots of records. Take me to the piano. All right. There. Feel it? Yes, sir. Sit down. Let's see. You, uh, you know this. Symphony in D minor by Cesar Franck. Symphony in D minor by Cesar Franck. Well, when you get to your place, you put the symphony on the phonograph. All right. And when you come to this part... When I come to that part... You go and strangle Carol. I go and strangle Carol. Murder her. Murder Carol. That's right. When you hear this. All right, Your Highness. When I hear that, I murder Carol. All right. What are you playing, Ray? Oh, it's you, Johannes. <laughs> Sounds like... A funeral hymn, my little Doesn't it, Carol? Wake up, Ray. Whoa, part one. With this uh, crafty hypnotist. Yes. And... Uh... Interesting, you know, the, the, this whole different series of of uh, quiet, quiet, please, uh, quiet, please. It kind of, uh, I think, suffered from. Uh, it really didn't have anything but a cult following, uh, based on the Crosby uh, rating system. But the network received more requests for quiet, screen, uh, quiet, please scripts than any other radio program, and the show never really established itself enough rating to attract a sponsor. 
Now, it, it might have suffered from poor scheduling, which was often dependent upon the regular uh, sponsor. If you had a regular sponsor, you got a better time slot because then you wouldn't be in as much competition. They were the ones that were here. The Quiet Police was broadcast at the 3.30, the 3.30 p.m. time slot, usually reserved for after-school programming aimed at juveniles. The second season found the, the show more appropriate at 9.30 p.m., but its third and final season, the show was bumped again, this time to 5.30 p.m., and these are all Eastern Standard Times. So, you know, it just, yeah, I can't, can you imagine this show being on at 3.30 in the afternoon, Dale? No. It just, it just, unimaginable, because the biggest audience would be your adults or your your late teens. And yes. How many of them are going to be around the radio at three thirty in the afternoon? Uh, but and although it didn't uh, uh, really make a lot of excitement, it was just it was it got some good reviews, and, and later on, people really did accept it as possibly one of the best one of the one of the best programs of the golden age of radio. And one of the things about this show that, that the guy said, it was like Willis Cooper was so great at the opening lines. It snapped you at the beginning and held you throughout the show. For instance, in this show, his first two lines were personally, I believe in the law of the jungle. I believe in the, the fight fight goes to the strong to the one that's smarter, to the one that ought to win. And from, from there on, the show took off. That was the opening lines to this particular episode we listened to tonight. No kidding. That's, uh, that's some pretty heavy stuff to come out of the, uh, come out of the shoot firing with. But, uh, I mean, but it was... Well, it, yeah. It, it seems like one of the better produced shows from what I've heard it, so it far. It really wasn't, and, and it had such a, a relatively small budget. You know, uh, uh, they had relatively few sound effects. They had some music in there. Was the, the, the theme itself was a piano and an organ. So it was, but outside of that, it, it was a, a pretty low budget, and partially was because they had no sponsor. It was sustained yep. its entire run. Uh, this particular episode, of course, this was on the Mutual Broadcast Network. They always build themselves as the world's largest radio network. Uh, at the time, they may have been, but um, that didn't give them a bigger budget. This is the very last show on Mutual. It would show up in a few weeks on the ABC radio network for the rest of its run. So this is the very uh-huh. last episode that was on the Mutual uh, radio network. Nice, another radio rarity right here on Erie House. So let's go ahead and we're going to wrap up with uh, Quiet, Please. (laughs) Symphony of D minor, and there's more stuff to come. You have no idea. Stick around. We come in. This is better than going to the theater or something, isn't it, dear? But I don't like being here, Ray. It's all right. Don't you like... Listening to music? I like listening to music, all right, darling, but do you realize there isn't any music? What? 
the machine stop, sweetheart. Well, I'll start it again. You turn on some more lights first. Isn't it bright enough in here? It's creepy. Right? Keep feeling as if something's going to happen. Oh, don't be silly. What could happen? Nothing, sweetheart. I just feel that way. All right. Is that better? Much better. Now you can kiss me. Thanks. Right. Oh, your lips are cold. I tell you, I feel scary. Stop. <laughs> Let's listen to the music. I love Cesar Frank. And me? And me. Okay. Officer, oh, there right in the middle of a record we were playing. Yeah. It says our front, B minor symphony. Hey, Curly, flash your light in here. Are you all right, lady? Certainly I'm all right. Well, that ain't the way we got it. Well, that's the way it is. Listen a minute. Your telephone, mister. No, wait. I'll get it. Now, oh, what the devil? What in the world, Ray? George. Oh, the lights are back. Oh. I, I'd better turn that off. Uh, wait a minute, Carol. Somebody's playing a joke on you, mister. I hope. Uh, who, who was it? Uh, somebody wanted to know if the lady was dead. I said she certainly ain't. I said they was playing uh, uh, Frank D. Minor's sympathy and the fuse blew out. And then he hung up. Johannes. You want me to go lock him up? You know him? No. Carol, I remember. Quick, turn off the record. Oh, what's the matter? Turn it off. Hey, now, what are you going to do over there? What? 
see busting the records for, Mac. Why, excuse me, officer. I, I just remembered something. Something a man didn't have time to tell me to forget. You see, even the smart boys forget. If he told me to forget that post-hypnotic suggestion of his about murdering Carol when I heard that music, he'd have been all right. I'd never have known the difference. He'd have had another chance with me. But he forgot to tell me. And so, he doesn't know what I know. He doesn't know what I'm going to do. Carol's in there talking to him now. Carol opened the window. Sure, I told her all about it. She's in it with me. She opened the window. A poor blind guy, a blind would-be murderer. Nobody will wonder much if a poor blind guy made a mistake and fell out a window. It's a long drop. Everybody will be so sorry. His poor wife and me. And him, I bet... That's what you get for being too smart for your size, eh? <laughs> Give a quarter to hear the line of talk that's going on in there now. Carol, as sweet as pie. Your hound is thinking fast while she sets it all up. <laughs> you never suspect a thing. Oh, oh man, we're in. <laughs> Give a quarter to know what they're saying in there. Must be good. <laughs> that must be rich. <laughs> It'll be a little poetic justice, won't it? Oh, yes, Johannes. You know that frosty minor theme, Carol? Oh, yes. It's beautiful. The one that was to be a signal for him to strangle you. Oh, yes. The one that goes... Da, 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 da. That's it. Now, you hear that melody, Carol? You'll murder Ray. Whenever I hear the music, I'll murder Ray. Whenever. Whenever. You'll take a knife and stab him. I'll take a knife and stab him. When you hear... Come in. We'll get it, Karen. Wake up. Hi, hello, Ray. And we're both out of it nicely, darling. Isn't it wonderful? I just shudder to think what would have happened if that fuse hadn't blown out, though. And if I hadn't remembered. Well, I'll never have to worry about that music again. It's so pretty. I I hate to think what might... Ray. Huh? I'm still afraid of... Oh, don't be silly. I am. Oh, stop it. I never want to hear it again. Well, you're going to hear it. Ray, please. Well, now listen, baby, we might as well get this straight now. I... Ray, please. Listen, darling. 
darling. What have I done? Tonight's Quiet Please story was Symphony in D Minor. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper, and the man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Charita Bauer played Carol. James Van Dyke was Johannes, and the police officer was Pat O'Malley. As usual, music for Quiet Please, including the theme by Cesar Frank, is played by Albert Berman. Now, here is our writer-director, Willis Cooper. There are all creations of my own again. Nor do they represent anybody living or dead. As you already know, this is the last broadcast of Quiet Please on this network. I'm grateful to Bob Berman, our engineer, and to Al April, our very good sound effect technician, for their 63 weeks of help. For the further adventures of Quiet Please, I recommend you read your newspaper next Sunday. And so from now on, on this network, I am quite quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. This will be the last broadcast in the present series of Quiet Please. In its place for the next four weeks, Mutual will present over most of these stations a new series of dramatic programs dealing with atomic energy. Be sure to be with us at this time next week and the three weeks following for Mutual's new series on atomic energy. This program was heard in Canada through the facilities of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. This is the world's largest network, the Mutual Broadcasting System. Well, sounded like a dirge there for a minute. <laughs> it does. It does. Which makes it a wonderful song, but... Uh... Hypnotizing gone awry once again. It did, it did. Putting the hands of the wrong people is a dangerous tool. That's right. Which can lead us up to yet another moral for the story. That it could if I was in the right spot. Smoothest chipped glass. Eerie House Radio proudly presents another garless moral of the story. Yes, apologies to Gar. Hypnotize me once. Shame on you, me. Oh no, shame on you. Hypnotize me twice. Shame on me. Hypnotize me three times and get out the calculator for the body count. That's Anything for her. Alrighty then. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, before we get into talking about tomorrow's shows, uh, we have more fun yet in line for you here today. Uh, uh, 
do you have any favorite movies, Dave, that have um, elements of hypnotism? Of course, there's that great old uh, uh, John Barrymore uh, uh, Svengali. I I would think my favorite terrible movie about hypnotism is The Hypnotic Eye. That is just such... Oh, oh God, yes. That's horrible. <laughs> but it is... But it's fun. It's fun. I, I, it's one of those films that kind of like the brain that wouldn't die, that as much as you want to turn away, you cannot. Oh, no. I, I, for me, the brain that wouldn't die doesn't fit that category. It's hypnotizing for other reasons. <laughs> uh, yes. There was a there was a, a fine element of sleaze at the dancer bar there scenes. And... There is, yeah. Yeah. He wants to put wants to put his fiance's mind inside the, uh, a dancer's body. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, can't figure yeah. that one out. How about how about Chatters? Do you have any movies or or maybe even a television show that had a a, a memorable scene with hip, hypnosis or hypnotics? Hmm. Well, if not, I'm, I'm trying to. I, yeah, I'm. Although it's always a great vehicle, especially in sitcoms. Uh, the only one. Oh really yeah. Jumped, the only one that jumped out at me because I know they. I, I know they did it in Gilligan's Island, but uh, uh, the only one that really jumped out at me was that Dick Van Dyke episode. Yeah. That that's one I do remember. A few episodes of the Stooges. Look me in the eyes, the eyes, and then he had an eye painted on his palm. Ah, the eyes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there is a very obscure film, very highly under discussed. Uh, and uh, I want to see if any of the chatters or any other listeners who care to call in at six four six three seven eight zero two six four. Hmm. Uh, to see if you can guess, there's no prize here, not today. Uh, see if see if you can guess what this is from. Okay, this is a an interesting little soundbite I have for for you. It's from a movie that. Uh, well, I'll keep throwing out clues after the soundbite, and uh, if no one gets it right away, but a, a very odd, unusual, under discussed movie featuring hypnotism. Orchestral from this point on. Does anybody remember this film? Okay. Let me give you some hints. Yeah, let me give you some hints. The gentleman singing at the very beginning? 
was our fair friend and expert in uh, character voices, Hans Conried. Okay. Nobody knows yet. Okay. How about this? Here's a clue among clues. It is the only, only live-action film that Dr. Seuss himself was part of. All right. It's an older film from the 50s. Dale had me on this one earlier, uh, before we went on, folks. (laughs) I I only discovered this film a couple years ago, and when I saw it, uh, I I think it it might have been more than just a couple years ago, because I think Antenna TV was still showing movies. That might be where I saw it. In fact, I know it is. Uh, Antenna TV is only showing TV programs now. Okay. So this film... Uh, yeah, well, I want to leave enough time to talk about tomorrow. This film was called The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. It's a great little story. A young kid's in it. He's being kind of forced to play piano. His piano teacher is Hans Conried, Dr. Terwilliger. Well, it, it, it ends up in like sort of a dream sequence where uh, D- Dr. Terwilliger is Dr. T and trying to kidnap all these kids, 250 of them exactly, so they get, uh, or no, 500 of them, so they could have the 5,000 fingers of Dr. T as he forced them to play piano. Very tragic tale. But you need to. That's right. <laughs> no, very and, family and you... friendly. has some musical elements and a, a lot of good comedy. And the, the sets, when you see the sets, you'll go, oh, yeah, Dr. Seuss all day long. Right. And, and if you type in the 5,000 into your Google search, that's mm-hmm. the first thing that comes up to the list is fingers of Dr. T. Wow. Yes. Very obscure film, but very well worth the watch. Tomorrow night, right here on Eerie House Radio, we continue entrancing you, hypnotizing you with the Weird Circle. I'm so happy they're back. It's been a while since we've had Weird Circle, and it's been a while since we've had Boston Blackie, too. So that's tomorrow night with uh, Weird Circle, the case of Monsieur Valdemar and Boston Blackie. Murder by Hypnosis. That's tomorrow at 6.30 Eastern. With any luck, Gar will be feeling better. Uh, so right after our show, it's Audible Hunter starring Gar the Ghoul. Uh, provided all the good vibes we're trying to send his way. Uh, mend him for another show. Right. And Monday on the Vortex, Weirdest Really Bad Movie returns. Once again with the movie Tormented. From Cafe Weirdness. And I kind of channeled... Uh, Lou Costello in this one myself, actually. So you might get a kick out of that. Oh, and that'll be what? Nine o'clock Eastern, correct? Nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time, yes. That might even be early enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Old hermit that I am. Uh, And uh, uh, hopefully uh, (laughs) you'll join us there, too. But be here tomorrow night, please, at 6.30. Thanks for joining us in the chat, Fogs and Linda Liu. Uh, we do appreciate your patronage, as they say. The castle lights are growing dim. There's no one left but me and him. And only When now. next we meet in Frankenstone, don't come alone. That's right. Bring your friends. Both of them. Bye-bye. 